Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, but you all know that. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW. How are you doing, Sean? Is it cold down your way? But it's it is right. Baltic, Tony. The sun's out. The sun's out. Don't get me wrong, but it is Baltic. Uh, yeah, it's cold up here and I dug out the short sleeve shirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard and you go bright. You know how it is. <laughs> there you go. Now, before we do anything, talk about anything remotely Celtic related, we always ask you every day and we thank everybody that has done this so far and s- subscribed to the Celtic Way website. You know what I'm going to ask you? Two pounds for uh, two months, unlimited access to everything that's written on the website. And it's all for the click of a button www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. You can help support top quality journalism, covering the club you love. And also we say thank you to Seneca. And as everybody knows by now, the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments and you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. Now, Sean, back to Planet Football. And one word that kind of leaves me running for cover, and that's reconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, today, there are plans afoot for some reconstruction of the league, Sean. And I, I guess we may as well enlighten the commenters and the viewers and the listeners about what what plans are or future plans could possibly be for Scottish football? Uh, it's, uh, I've, I've used the term reconstruction and I suppose it is, but it's not really going to affect Celtic first team. It's going to affect Celtic B team potentially, uh, Tony. So they're obviously in the Lowland League just now, but these new proposals, right? The pl- there was three plans, but the one that sounds as if it's going to be maybe the, the most likely is to start a new 10-team conference, Right. Now, you have four B teams, which is understood to be Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen and Hearts, and then six teams from the Highland League and the Lowland League making up the 10. Uh, and that is presumed to be going to start 2024-25 if it's passed. Now, the key thing here is, Tony, that's independent from the SPFL commercially, so they can seek their own kind of commercial deals and stuff, but it would be the fifth tier in practice. So, same as with the B teams getting into the Lowland League, the primary thinking behind it is that it's meant to kind of offer players, younger players especially, late teens and maybe into the early 20s, a competitive route to first-team first football. Uh, will it do it, Tony? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that the guys in the comments will have plenty of uh, plenty of opinions on that. I'm not sure if it will. Um, suppose they would say, right, let's, uh, let's give it a go and see. The other two... Get your comments in about that, guys, obviously. But the other two um, options that were discussed were a 10-team League 3, so to sit under League 2, so in the same kind of situation, but a League 3 rather than a conference, uh, with the B teams in there. And the B teams could get promoted, but only up to League 1, so they couldn't go to the Championship. Uh, And then the other option, the last option, was to expand League 2. So don't bother with a new league entirely, but expand League 2 to 16 teams. And that would again be B teams plus Highland League and Lowland League teams. Um, but again, B teams would only able, be able to get promoted up to League One, so not the Championship. Now, obviously, abroad, Tony, the likes of Barca B is the one that yes. comes to my head right away. They can get promoted all the way up until yeah. uh, until La Liga. 
Well, they can they can conceivably win. As far as I'm aware, unless that's changed, they can conceivably win uh, the Segunda, but they won't get promoted. Is is what it happens. So it's it's everything apart from the top flight. Whereas this would be stopping them kind of arbitrarily at um, at the third tier. I would have thought the Spanish model would be quite good because championship level is quite a step up, isn't it? Mm. From Lowland League football and uh, B team football. So I would I would adopt that Spanish type model that even if a Celtic B did win the championship, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't be promoted. Mm-hmm. And if it happened to be uh, whatever team finished second, if they weren't a B team, obviously, then they would get promoted. I, I think that would be a, mm-hmm. a fair way to do it. Or you'd have a, a kind of playoff between the second and third teams or whatever way, whatever way you wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And the likelihood, if a B team were to win it, say a Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen or a Hearts B team were to, to win the championship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think as well with all these things, you, you remember we have to throw a double six, don't you? Taking a start and understand mm-hmm. where we're going. It's kind yeah. of, that kind of stuff. But we've been talking about league reconstruction for years, Sean. I'm 15, mm. it's been around for a long, long time. And as I say, it just it's one of those subjects that just get me running for the exit door. I find it really hard to get excited about it. You know, and everybody's came up with all sorts of proposals about splits and when do you split and how many times do you play each other. Whatever happens in whatever league setup you propose or you choose, it's always going to be winners and losers in these systems and you're not going to please everybody. That's mm. that's that's it, isn't it, really? Part of the problem with any reconstruction when there's a when you're not starting from scratch and it is reconstruction rather than construction is there's always going to be an element of having to convince clubs to vote for something that ultimately might come back to bite them. Yes. And that um, the turkeys voting for Christmas thing is maybe a wee bit over egg, but it's um, it is uh, it, there is an element of that. Brian Roberts comes in saying that regardless of what happens below it with this reconstruction, he thinks the Premiership needs twelve. I, I would argue if you were starting from scratch, you would have more than twelve. But unfortunately, I think Scottish football has got itself into a position where the clubs aren't going to vote for less than the, the amount of games they get against Celtic Rangers than they currently do, which is what they would be voting for if they were to expand the, premier, the Premiership. Um, but in terms of this reconstruction proposal for, for further down the leagues, Tony, before we move on and before you fall asleep, the, co- the conference idea, I think that's, that's considered the more likely idea. Not only because it would be a separate thing and then therefore yeah. the kind of voting would be different, um, but also because it's more likely to get support from teams in League 1 and League 2 that it would affect because it would almost create a buffer yes. where they wouldn't necessarily need to go into the Highland League or the Lowland League like they do currently if they get relegated. Like it's breaking, breaking it into the Highland League, counting beef it into the Lowland League. Um, this would create a buffer where if that happened now, say breaking finish bottom, and they've not really said if there's still playoffs or whatever, I presume it would be. Um, but say they get they get relegated from this um, league two, it would be into this conference league now rather than straight into yeah. the Highland League, which was a logistical kind of problem that they had um, because yeah. the Highlands quite dis- disparate anyway. Yeah, I think the conference league has its merits, doesn't it? What you've just outlined there, and I think clubs like Beacon or whoever, you know, say for instance in the past, and East Stirling, you could see a way back, couldn't you? Like mm-hmm. I from the Conference League back into the you know, the SPFL. So, as you say, it's not as disparate as going to the Highland League or the Lowland League. Mm-hmm. We would seem kind of totally disconnected from it. But I guess the conference idea probably has its merits. And I would maybe err on the side of caution on that one, but that's probably what I would uh, 
say, yeah, nah. you know, start the, the, uh, you know mm-hmm. start, starting off proposal and probably think that that was a better option than most. Mm-hmm. Sam Hartley comes in saying, have Celtic formally, or asking, have Celtic formally commented on the best option? No. Um, and they're not the best at communicating, I would say, Celtic. So you might not hear anything until it's way down the line. Um, in terms of the clubs, the clubs themselves might not even comment unless they've got an active opposition to the ideas, which tends to be the case. In Scottish football, you tend to hear quite quickly if someone's got a, a real deep-seated um, uh, opposition to an idea rather than are generally kind of open to, to hearing things. They don't Clubs don't tend to release statements saying we're open to, to discussions. Yes. They tend to say, no, we're against that, we're dismayed to see this, that and the other thing. Rather than uh, rather than just that they're open to it, so no, no comment from Celtic on it yet. But it would affect Celtic in the sense of the B team, if not the B first team. team. Yeah, and I don't know, Sean. Do you think that that would offer a better pathway for B team players to get first team football? I, I don't know because I think ultimately it would be similar to the Lowland League thing. They might be playing yeah. slightly, a slightly better. I mean, slightly more varied calibre opposition, but in reality, it's, I mean, they're in the Lowland League just now, and I know that's technically a temporary thing, and it, it's not a given that it's going to stay like that, but they're playing Lowland League teams now. If they're in this conference, they're going to play other B team teams, other B teams, sorry, and Lowland League teams. So the only difference is really the Highland League teams that would be in it. Yeah. So more travelling, maybe. <laughs> that's, and and that's, that's, really the, that's really the difference. I suppose, theoretically, they could yeah. go up the leagues a wee bit and, and, and play the higher calibre, but from the, from the get-go, they would essentially be playing the same level. Uh, the Lowland League, without the, the name, is basically the uh-huh. conference, without the geography. Teams, as you've said there, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I think that's 10 minutes of chat on reconstruction. Uh-huh. I'm still awake. There you go. That's a, that's a big plus. We'll now go on and talk about Celtic, Sean. So on the line tomorrow, Celtic's quest for a possible domestic treble. Winner takes all at Tynecastle tomorrow. I can't wait, Sean. I'll be there to cover it. And I love Tynecastle. It's just an old-fashioned football stadium. Atmosphere's terrific. Uh, Celtic hopefully book their place in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup quarter-final. Big quarter-final at uh, Tynecastle. Against the same opposition that they defeated three one, two well yep. three days ago when they play on Saturday. But Sean, do you see first and foremost? How do you see it going? Is this is this an active question it's for not, a score prediction or not? No, no, it's not a score prediction. I'm just um, talking in general. How you after watching? Do I, you think see Celt- I, I think a Celtic red card's a certainty after uh, <laughs> Robbie Nielsen's comment. I don't quite think heads will be rolling at uh, Tynecastle right enough, but uh, no, I think. Listen, I think both teams will be slightly different in terms of personnel. Yes. Uh, we'll come to the kind of how many changes I think they might make in a minute, but regardless, I think Celtic will have the stronger team. Okay, Hearts have got the home advantage, but as I mean, I looked at it at, at Tynecastle and Celtic's record there is is really good, to be fair. Um, despite the fact that obviously Tynecastle's the first kind of away ground outside the Vibrox, which doesn't really count since uh, the allocation was cut, um, that people talk about in terms of atmosphere, find it difficult, like to play in it, all that kind of thing. Um, so, aye, it's... Um, it's ultimately still down to me, the same as it is at Parkhead, that if Celtic play Celtic one and they've got the better team. They'll have the whole of the Roseburn stand, Sean. 
Yep. They didn't have previous visits. I'm thinking the 4-3 game, they had that wee section, but they'll have the whole of that stand. Big difference when you're calling upon a few thousand Celtic supporters being there and adding to that, adding to the occasion. <laughs> Kaiser, decapitation. <laughs> I've got, I've got a, a kind of picture of Kaiser looking at the camera and a kind of club of Lang, you know, Mr. Teastig on Rocky Three saying decapitation, you know, a prediction for the big game, that kind of thing, for those who are old enough to remember the Rocky franchise, I'm sure you are. Andrew Gillier saying Celtic will dominate possession. Yeah, I mean, I, it's the hardest of the ties they could have got, with the exception of possibly going to Ibrook, Shawnee, but, you know, those kind of games take it. But I, I just think the managers always said that as well. Whatever challenge has been thrown at Celtic, they seem to rise to it. And I don't see tomorrow being any different, but I just think it'll be an uh, absolutely brilliant game. Pete McGee, Andrew, were telling the players, don't lose your heads. <laughs> yes. You're on mute, Sean. Hi, I was sorry, but I was just reading it out anyway. It's just uh, Pete McGee saying Andrew will be telling the players, don't don't lose your heads. Um, Kay Matsu saying Hearts will probably play a very different, more pressing style than they did on Wednesday. I think I think that's probably a fair a fair assessment. More so because it's at home and because it's a cup tie where you've you kind of got to win it. Um, so, and, and on that note, I've seen a comment further further back saying that uh, everybody's favourite Jambo, Andy Halliday, was um, <laughs> saying that he thinks it's the, the perfect game for Hearts in a way. Um, I didn't see the context, whether it's maybe motivation, maybe just the fact that it's a cup tie and, and you've got nothing to lose, so you might as well go for it. Don't know necessarily what part of that he was talking about, but. Either way, I think there's an element of this Celtic team would rather play the better teams. So it's yeah. almost perfect for them as well in that sense. Of course. Now, I wanted to flick this up. P. said, Tony said, yes, it was one of the good guys to see for real. Now, P. O'Neill, I wanted to clarify that I said, and I, if you were listening, and I hope you were, I said in my professional capacity and my dealings with Robbie Nielsen as a football journalist, they were, they were great. Uh, got on really well with them and I said but a lot of Celtic supporters might not agree with that but I said in a personal and professional capacity he, he was a good guy so stand by that comment you don't have to agree that's why I flicked it up that's fine you're allowed that but I said a lot of Celtic supporters won't agree and I get that but I was talking about in my guys as a football journalist so just wanted to put, put the record straight in that and you you're allowed an opinion, Tony. You're allowed to. Yeah, you're no, allowed I'm to, uh, allowed to opinion, but I was, uh, you know, so you're allowed to take people as you find them. Yeah, you're allowed to take people as you find them. Sam Hartley, I'm braced for a tough match. I think we're all braced for a tough match, Sam. Mm -hmm. I, do you see a repeat of the 4 3 early in the season? I think it could be a. Well, you wait, until I, you, you wait until I give my score prediction, Tony. You're, you're trying to lull me in there. <laughs> uh, I. Um, Sam Hart is saying brace for a tough match. I think I think that's fair enough. Although I would point out, um, I done this for the Morton. Was it the Morton one? I think I done it for a couple of the cup games anyway. Just rather than just looking at the head to heads, I looked at the head to heads in cup games. Um, and the Hearts v Celtic. Hearts have met them nine times since twenty ten. Tony and Celtic have won all nine. Scored twenty eight goals and conceded nine. So they concede a goal a game. You can you can say that much, but they also score three uh, at least. Um, whether that's saying I'll say it's 3-1 you'll need to wait until the end of the show for that one but, um, it was actually I don't know if you I think we spoke about this the last time they played Hearts uh, last season um, in the Cup and it was um, 28th October 2009 the last time Hearts knocked Celtic out of a Cup 
And do you remember who scored the only goal of the game? Sorry, yes. Was it not Lee Griffiths? Mm, no, for Hearts. For Hearts. Oh, the only goal of the game for Hearts. Sorry, when was that? Uh, 2009 was a penalty. League Cup quarterfinals under Tony Mowbray. Was it, it not? Was, it was the Hearts captain. It was Michael Stewart, aye. Aye, it was Michael Stewart. Um, so that was the last time Hearts knocked Celtic out of a cup that I could see. Um, 1-0, Michael Stewart penalty, League Cup quarterfinals under Tony Mowbray that season. Yeah. Um, but listen, in general, Celtic's record against them are, uh, is really, really good. Uh, as I say, we'll come to score predictions and, and whether I think it'll be high scoring or not. But it's... Uh, Bye. It's it's still Tynecastle, so you've still got to, as Sam Hardy says, be braced for a tough game, even if the scoreline sometimes might not reflect it. Chris Murray, Sean loves his stats. He does indeed. Excellent. But there you go. Now, Kevin Ferrier comes in and says, Tony, if you're not a journal, what would you think of Nielsen and his comments? <laughs> talk about Nielsen and his comments. I said, I thought the use of the word decapitation was unwise. Part of a podcast, guys, is listening, opening your ears and hearing what I said. I did say oh, that, didn't I? Tony's, Tony's rattled. Tony's rattled. No, I'm not uh, rattled. I just, I'm just... Nah, we spoke about it yesterday, Tony. Like, yeah. You said it was unwise. I said it, it, it was potentially childish. Um, yeah. But also, and I, and I, and also, I wonder also if... Uh, it's been calculated in a way, which is why yeah. I'm saying about the red card for Celtic tomorrow. And I also wonder if the, the authorities might look at it. But I think the word decapitation is very, very strong. I really do. <laughs> I think it's unwise, and uh, I, I did say that. So, uh, I uh, yeah, I'm not rattled in any shape or form, but people are going to come in and put comments up and say things that I have to respond. I have to be allowed to respond to them. Actually, the first says, pretty sure Tony said he loves Robbie Nielsen. He loves him. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Me and Robbie are tight. We're tight. <laughs> yeah, we'll be singing Angels. At Tyne Castle tomorrow, probably in a duet at some point. There you go. Yeah, um, I've got so a hard poor Tony can't win hard crowd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yep. cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. As I say, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I was given mine, and then and I said a lot of people wouldn't agree with it. So there you go. And he might get dug up for those comments. I'd like to see what the authorities do think of those comments. Mm. I think, I, I, think might, I, I, I don't think I don't choice think of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but yes, um, indeed. Now, I was going to say that. Well, we were asked, Tony, sorry, we were asked yesterday and I forgot to flick it up, but we've been asked again uh, today and it was about the refereeing team, the officiating team. So it is Kevin Clancy, who's the referee, and yeah. uh, Willie Collins on VAR. So, I mean, the other ones are there if you want. David McGee, assistant ref one, Dougie Potter, assistant ref two, David Monroe, the fourth official, and Daniel McFarlane's assistant VAR. But th- those are the two main guys, I presume. You hope that you're not going to hear about, but you probably will hear about, which is referee Kevin Clancy and uh, VAR, Willie Call. Now, Sam, that's what we were saying yesterday. His comments were designed to yeah, influence yeah. the officials in tomorrow's match. Of course, they were purely, purely and simply to sort of maybe heap some pressure on Kevin Clancy and Willie Collum in the VAR studio. So mm-hmm. we will see what happens about that. So there you go. Uh, tomorrow it will all play out, won't it, at Tynecastle? Tony, Danny, does Sean agree with Tony? Look, they're trying to pit us against each other now, Tony. I know that. You're correct. It's, uh, I must admit, I've had no dealings with Robin Nielsen, so I couldn't comment on what kind of guy he is. I'll, I'll just take the comments that he made yesterday, kind of, is what they were. And, and as we said yesterday, there's an element of maybe a childish comment to it, so loser, all that kind of stuff, but also um, 
I think there was an element of cal- a calculated comment and it just in case anything crops up tomorrow and the referees get a decision to make. I think, uh, yeah. I also said, though, that I think he was probably well within his rights to want that Burnaby um, title checked. So, and I, I, I do wonder what would have been made of it, though, had Ange Postacoglu made comments like that. About decapitation? Yeah, I wonder uh, what, what the, what the kind of fallout from that would be. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I mean, Ange's good value, but I think Ange's a bit more cleverer than that, isn't he? I don't think he would go that route now. No, and he's never really had a pop at officials. He says mm-hmm. that that's, that's a big part of his stick. He, he, he said himself, I think he referenced it at one point, he said, if you listen to me, I've never ever had a go at officials. And he, he certainly tries his best to, to not to. Yeah, yeah. So and he he had his say on VAR, didn't he? And his say on VAR was that I'm not going to talk about VAR, so don't ask me any more questions about VAR. <laughs> that's fine. So... You know, um, there we go. Kinda, I suppose it's kind of related to VAR, but Pete McGee's just asking me quickly what was the foul count in the game on Wednesday. I think I done the data around up yesterday, and I don't really do fouls in it because you can't really look beyond them without going specifically foul by foul. Um, but I think it was six fouls to Hearts and ninety Celtic, or the other way about. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I, I think six fouls to Celtic, ninety Hearts. I'll go with because sometimes Celtic do give away more fouls than the opposition, despite dominating. Sometimes you can ask questions of those decisions. Other times it's simply because Celtic are so aggressive, trying to win the ball back. Um, but I think I think I'm right in saying it was Celtic six, um, Hearts nine. That's not your prediction for the scoreline, certainly not. No, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> now, personnel-wise, Sean, are we mm-hmm. we thinking? Does the team in the Possible absence of Maeda. Does that does your team still kind of pick itself with a ready-made replacement there in Haksabanovic, or are you going to tinker with two or three? Uh, more than that, actually. Uh, but I'm just going to well. say Gary McDowell must have checked it. And he says I'm correct. So cheers for that, Gary. Always like a wee bit of a wee bit of positive reinforcement there. Um, K Match is also asking, is there no official news of Maeda? No, but there was also a, a picture circulating yesterday of him on crutches. So. Uh, as opposed to Coglu, will really be asked about it today at the presser, so there will be there will be an update later on. Um, I would suggest that even if it is past fit, he very well might be on the bench if he's in the squad, um, given the proximity between games and the fact that a guy like Maida was forced off, which tells you he felt it because yes. he's he's hard as nails, Maida really. Um, so just to go back to your question, Tony, it was four changes on Wednesday, and I've I've basically talked myself into five for this one. Um, <laughs> So I'll quickly run through them without necessarily justifying every one of them because you'll need to read the predicted 11s article for that. But um, um, I just thought about it logically, including the Maida thing, and I, I ended up thinking to myself, Alistair Johnston back in for Ralston, Greg Taylor back in for Bernabe, Hatati in for O'Reilly, and then this is maybe where I've maybe went one too far, but I've, I've went for both Jota and Haksabanovic to come in for Maida and Abada. Um so that, that's five, and I'll do my justifications in the article, but you can probably guess it, to be honest. I, I mentioned Taksibanovich yesterday. I've mentioned Maida there. I also think, Tony, that the initial plan for this season might very well have been for Benjamin Segrist to get the cup ties, but with injuries and the way it's fell in, that, that idea seems to have kind of fell by the wayside a wee bit, and I don't know if he'll change it in the quarterfinals at Tynecastle. I'm going to go with Hart again. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Haksabanovic and Jota and Kyogo up front. 
Um, mm-hmm. There's a spoiler alert. Talk, talk to you into that one as well, Ava. I think. No, um, I was. I was. I, I was. You heard me the other day. I, I just. Oh. I like the match and his goal the other night just cemented that in my thinking that I think it's time to But not, not a badder then, not, not a second start no, for a badder no, after no, winning no, his no. place back, no. Yeah. Um, I, I had a wee look because I was saying to you the other day and, and a few weeks ago that I'd quite like to see the three of them in the, in the front line together. I, ideally, I think it would rather it would have been against, I don't know, Livingston, someone that sits quite deep and, and you need to break down because it's three... Three players that, well, Kyogo, you know what, what Kyogo bring in that box, but Haxabanovic and Jota are certainly more technical. Um, they do put in a shift, but obviously Maida in a game like this at Tynecastle, I think if he hadn't taken that knock, would probably start. Um, and might still, might still depend what Ange says, but um, the last time that Haxabanovic, Jota and Kyogo started together in a competitive game, because technically they started against, uh, I think, Everton in the Sydney Super Cup, was a way back in September, Tony. Shakhtar Donetsk. Ah. So that'll be the first time. If the three of them start, that's the first time they'll have started together. And I think they've even only been on the pitch together a, a, a kind of a negligible amount of minutes since then because usually Haxabanovic is coming on for one of them. I think it's time, though. I think it's time for that front three to be unleashed in the capital on Saturday, but yeah. Will McMillan suggesting Jota, Kyogo and Abada again. There is a song about it after all. <laughs> there is indeed. But no, I'm not. Uh, I just think Haxabanovich deserves a chance uh, with Jota. Yep, Jota and Haxabanovich. Yep, give them a shot. Uh-huh. Indeed. Yes. So there you go. I prefer Abada, Kyogo, Jota, but the subs will be critical. Kematsu. Yeah, I just thought that, again... A badder frustrated the other night, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Got a chance to kind of, you know, start again, and uh, you know didn't produce his form in Paisley or replicate his form in Paisley. So that was disappointing from a badder's uh, perspective. But I just think Haxabanovich is, and the manager touched upon it the other night that he's maybe due an extended run in the side. Just circumstances prevented it, oh. but I just think it could be the ideal game to bring him in. Uh, alongside Jota and Kyogo Haxas should start that goal is an absolute belter says Robert Gibson that's a very thought therefore Tony and Sean agree with us Michael Duffin you know, and, and that's why I was asking does the rest of the team pick itself because mm-hmm. I think it kind of does full backs you mentioned and the midfield mm-hmm. there's no change that you said with Hatati coming back in so mm-hmm. I'm thinking I mean, it could be O'Reilly instead of Moy. I, I mean, every week yeah, we say no. that. It could be one or the other. But I think Hatati Hata will come back in. Depending on what the manager says today, unless there's any kind of yeah. you know, uh, injury-wise that way. But, no, I, I think that would... I'm, I'm uh, quite happy with that as a starting level. I realise I realize I've said five changes, and it is one more than, than it was midweek, but it doesn't really feel as if you're making changes to half the outfielders because the likes of uh, Johnston coming back in after I think nine full 90s in a row I think it was um, and Greg Taylor coming back in first choice left back and then Real Hatate coming back in after however many starts that ended up however many a lot of football uh, and alongside Jota coming back in I mean you're saying regulars coming back in it's not really it doesn't feel like five changes it doesn't no. feel like changing half the outfielders that was kind of Wednesday's uh, yeah. Wednesday's remit so and you spoke about the fullbacks, Johnston and Taylor coming back in. I've written a mm-hmm. piece today on the site, Sean, yep. about Johnston. And I spoke to Ramon Vega. And he's talking about the possibility of Johnston 
emulating him and winning a domestic treble within months of joining the club and uh, his thoughts there's a there's the link to it there guys you want to have a wee read at that Ramon Vega's always good value but yeah he's he's cheering on Alistair Johnson he wants him to emulate him Ramon Vega joined in January 2001 didn't he and mm-hmm. walked away with a treble by the May yep. of uh, the same year uh, Martin O'Neill's team uh, still waiting Tony how does your suggested front three line up says Peak G same, same as mine same as I said uh, yeah, and so yeah, spoke to Ramon Vega, and he's he's firmly behind Alistair Johnson's quest to win all three in his first year. <laughs> and I, the the opening line, I, I phoned him the other day, and he picked up the phone, and Ramon Vega said, "There may be treble ahead." That was <laughs> and I thought, "Well, there you go." Clearly knows what I was on for. So yeah, uh, big up to him. He's always. He's always a good guy and he always answers his phone and, and, and does the business and spoke about Alistair Johnson in glowing terms. So you can have a wee read at that on the site, guys, worth, worth a read. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple of questions here about personnel, Tony. Uh, well, not really a question. Danny just says he thinks he might start to Moki Iwata. Do you think there's a chance of that? There's always a chance of that because you know what he's like. He always likes to keep people on their toes, but I just don't think he will. I just mm-hmm. think he'll revert to... The McGregor Hitati and Moy, or McGregor Hitati O'Reilly, but O'Reilly got the chance the other night, and whilst I thought he did okay, I just I didn't think he did enough to maybe justify starting against Hearts. And I like O'Reilly, you know my thoughts. Not only I think he's a wonderful footballer, but I just thought, yeah, he's he's coming back into form. But if I'm going on that in the same opposition, that I, I would uh, bring Hitati back in. For O'Reilly and start with Ota, uh, McGregor, Rio Chatty and Moy, and the midfield. Just, just my opinion for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Gibson asks, "What's the latest on Yuki Kobayashi?" He's, he's just not getting a game. He's in, he's on the bench. He's not he's not unfit or anything. He's not he's not injured. He's he's been on the bench the last eight games since playing those back to back nineties. Was it Morton St Mirren? St Mirren and Morton. Um, he played against. Uh, he's, been, he's been on the bench so he is there he is available but ultimately and I've been saying this since what August 2021 that as opposed to on record in previous jobs saying that central defence is the one area that he doesn't like to chop and change if he can yes. if he can avoid it uh, and I think you saw that when he eventually settled on Carter Vickers and Starfelt last season he, he, he reaped the rewards of that and then again this season even though at the start there was a settled kind of when, when Jens was playing and all that it was fine when Starfelt's been back fit uh, and, and firing the two of them together are, are rarely separated. Now that's not to say that Kobayashi is not going to play at all till the end of the season. I think he will. I just don't know when. Just now. Yeah, uh, you alluded to there. He always talks about that's part of the area, the team that he doesn't like mucking about with central defence. Uh-huh. So and they've not lost a domestic game in partnership since they started. So it ain't broke. Doesn't need fixed uh, certainly. Now milestone the other night, Sean Myth yep. was reached. Ange Postacoglu, 100 games, and you you asked me to do a newsletter with the 10 games that kind of defined Ange Postacoglu's era, so I chose 10 games, and it's on the website. Sean, I'll put the link up to it now. Now, your own 10 might be different, but I'd just like you to throw up in the comments section 
the game that you think's defi- defined Angie's error so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, see if you agree with myself. But I, I picked ten, and a lot of you'll guess what what they were anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a couple I would I would highlight Tony out of the out of the list. I'll not take yeah. any that's not in in your list. Although guys, feel free to throw in ones whether you've read it or not. They might be in the list. They might not. But first of all, obviously the the three now midweek derby blitz comes yeah. to mind. Yeah, uh, the first match after my daughter was born as well. Um, but I was going to say more than that, but equally <laughs> an absolutely unignorable marker that the run that they were on was a real deal and yeah. that as course the Coggles football had taken root and Celtic hitting top gear, they just could not live with, uh, which has subsequently been proven again um, in a different match. Uh, I, would, I would highlight that one, but I would also... We discussed this before you wrote it as well, but I would also highlight. Um, I like that the the three 0 loss to Real Madrid is in there because yeah. for me and for you, it does help define the Angera so far because you've, you, you. I know you lost, but you went toe to toe with the European champions, playing your style of football at least for sixty odd minutes. And yes, we know it didn't work out in the end, and Real Madrid's quality told, etc., etc. There was no shame in that. And I think it works in this list as one of the defining games, regardless of the fact that it was a defeat. Sure, and that, that's why I put it in because it was the the uh, talking about the defining game and the brand of football that Celtic played. Kevin Ferrier too, one with Aberdeen and Ross County, they're both there. Kevin, both in it, yeah. Dingwall show and the 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 your arguably your not your favourite game, but the one that you, you yeah, keep yeah. referring to the the Jota go up and Petodre end the away day, kind uh, of a put away run. Yeah. And can I get that? That was the fist pumps and all that after it. And yeah, yeah. Dundee United, yep, nine nils in there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Exactly. Yep. Indeed. Uh, yeah. I the, you know, someone else has said about the Real Madrid game. Yeah. Kaiser said it there. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. so that's the only one on the list that it's a Celtic loss. Yeah. I mean, Brown <laughs> Warrior says Tony. Glo- he says glorious failure is still failure. I do get what you're saying, and I'm saying it as a loss. And ultimately, yes, it, it, it didn't it didn't end up in a Celtic win. But I think there is a context there, in which the manner in which they approached that game and didn't get into their yeah. shell and didn't resort to tactics that weren't Celtic tactics, especially for the first sixty odd minutes against a team of Real Madrid's quality. Uh, I still think when you're talking about defining Angelera, I think you need to talk about that about about, about him instilling that confidence in them. Yes, it didn't work out in the end in that individual game. But if you don't think they took confidence from the way that they went toe-to-toe with the European champions, then I, th- I suspect you're, you're mistaken. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, always, yeah. it's always open to question, isn't it? You'll, you'll have your own uh, marquee Celtic and learned a lot from that game. Completely. I agree with that, yeah. Uh, you'll have your own top 10. I threw that up there. It's always a good kind of Gets a good pub style debate going, doesn't it, Sean? Yes, and just yeah, the, Andrew, the links in the in the comments. It's also in the description of the video as well. So, so yep, yeah, and we have a wee read at that, and you can compile your own if, if you're of a mind to. But yeah, the last minute of bad. That's a great shout. Yep, yep. That's that's one of the one of the many we never stop goals. Um, yeah. along with that, Ralston at Dingwall, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, kind of toss up between that one and Ralston at Dingwall, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. For, for myself, you know, so, uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that wasn't on in the last island, so a good shout, but as I say, you all have your own personal preferences, 
you always or you refer to the League Cup final a lot, Sean. You always mm-hmm. two goals. Yes, aye. that that's on the, that's made the list. Yeah, because the way Celtic came back to win that and the, the nature of the two goals. So yeah, I mean it's a uh, Dundee United Park had two weeks in the two goals in time. Yeah, another one, Kevin, that's not on the list, but a, a good shout. Mm-hmm. You know, so as I say, everyone will have their own individual preferences. But yeah, it's a good one to somewhere, tenors in the post again. Defining moment for me was subscribing to TCW on a personal note. You can pay me later, boys. Ah, oh, Thanks very much. That's very, very kind. I appreciate that. We appreciate all the comments coming up. You see, See, that's the thing, we, we get all these, when we mm-hmm. throw these open to the floor, you, you come up with things that we've never thought of. Yep. Manball coming up with one, it's a wee bit outside the box, Tony, he says, Wraith Rovers 4-0, because you could see Nance Postacoglu going ballistic at some of the players, and that showed that he, what, what he, want, he wants 100% from every player every time. And I think that's that's a nice outside the box one, I think, of there. Just, yeah. just, was it my mouth? That's an outside the box shout, and good shout, Manball, because you did hear him that day. And he was imploring his team to, so he kind of got a wee kind of insight as to what he was demanding from his players against even opposition like Wraith Rovers, same, mm-hmm. same demands that he would put on them against Real Madrid. So, yeah, I, that is a cracking shout, actually. You know, just, as you say, one outside the box. So, yeah, but they're not all, uh, I don't think all of my ten are ones you would immediately spring to mind, possibly yeah. some are, you know, well. You wouldn't put a loss in there for a start, would you? But we've, uh, we've justified why that loss is in there. So there you go. No okay, case, Sean. We've avoided it. Up right, okay. Minute, but we're going to have to go for predictions, aren't we? Yes. Wait, let you go first. I'll go first, aye. Right, so eight of the last ten meetings, Tony, mm-hmm. between the sides overall, have had at least two and a half goals. Okay. Right? The same is true of six of the last seven at Tynecastle. So for that reason, I'm going to go for a cup barnstormer, four two Celtic. Four two Celtic. Oh wow, that is a cup barnstormer, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to go four one, Sean. Same as Northampton, Tim. There four one. Yeah, four one. Just think That's Celtic right. brought it in them to turn goals, it on. Goals, goals. Three one Celtic, two 0 somewhere. Says four twenty somewhere. Three one Antonius Farias, four one two 0 they're all chipping a Celtic win, Sean. Moment well, 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 4-1, 5-2. Reckon a penalty kick is in there. <laughs> For who, came at soon? <laughs> 3-1, the hoops. Brian Roberts, 3-1 as well. Hazel Finn agrees with you, Sean. 4-2. Yep. High-scoring match. Six. Would that come under the six-goal thriller category? It certainly would. A six-goal thriller, indeed. There's always one George Kidd right in there with a 10 now. You never know what will happen at some stage. So... Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's one of those games that gets got the juices flowing, and looking forward to uh, being there. Because I say I, I just like Tin Castle as a venue. I've always liked it. Mm-hmm. Just think there's something about it. So an old-fashioned football stadium in terms of the atmosphere, and it's quite close to uh, pitch. Or you certainly were in, in the old Tin Castle for those who are old enough to remember that with, with the tennis, and it was brilliant. Uh, anyone who juices. He encapsulates it perfectly. We love a prediction, love a predicted lineups, love a score predictions, but ultimately that is all that matters, I suppose, in the end. But Brown Warrior being a wee bit cheeky here, or two one win with Albert Yes, <laughs> for those who are certain vintage, they exactly know exactly what that means. But yeah, God bless that man. <laughs> 
indeed. Well, Sean, that's been a cracking 40 minutes. I've enjoyed that. Enjoyed the toing and froing. And uh, to P. O'Neill, I say, all the best. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. No hard feelings. But just we're, we're all entitled to our opinions, professional or otherwise. But yep, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shake give, Robbie, give, Rob, give, give Robbie his regards as well. Yeah, I'm sure assuming you call him Robbie you. since he's our, since he's our <laughs> big pals. <laughs> Yeah, I do call him Robbie, actually. No, no, he, doesn't get, he doesn't get the Mr. Nielsen treatment. Only those and such as those get the, the, Mr. Ne- the, the Mr. treatment, you know, a bit like Angie's, mate. But top man, Pionio, appreciate your comments, appreciate you coming on, appreciate everybody that signs up uh, and uh, subscribes. So that's what it's all about. Uh, nobody falls out in this community, wouldn't allow it. Isn't that right, Sean? Correct, spot on. Great chat, boys. Enjoy the game tomorrow. My ball, hail, hail. Indeed. Same to you as all. But yeah, have a wonderful weekend. As I always say, it's result dependent. We'll tune in today to hear what Andrew's got to say, see what personnel is available. But yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. The, the manager's always great value, isn't he? Yep, certainly is. And more than anything else, I want to know what's happening with Maida. So. <laughs> yes. But hey, he's already won you your drinks. So you're not That's true, I his business this season is done for you Sean <laughs> to be fair so but here's hoping that it's not uh, a lengthy layout for Maida uh, the pictures and the crutches didn't uh-huh. look too good but some people are quick healers aren't they and sometimes you know that, that can be a kind of uh-huh. you don't know if Ange might be saying well that's fair enough you know he might be might pull a flanker and be on the start of 11 again <laughs> you just don't know do you so there you go Will McMillan, Tony's next book, The Genius of Nielsen. Is that Harry Nielsen you're talking about? There you go. Guys, have a wonderful weekend. I'll just do as I always do, direct you to this ticker tape running along the bottom. It's £2 for two months for access to everything that we write on the website. You'll see the Vega Johnson article today. You'll see the 10 games that define Angie's era and all as I say, £2 for two months, click on my button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. We say thank you to our sponsor, Seneca. Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. I have to say thank you to Sean. I love you more, Sean, than Robbie Nielsen. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, I love all the people, all, all the contributors as well, more than Robbie Nielsen. That's also a fact. But there you go. Enjoy your weekend trips. We'll be back on Monday to discuss it all. It's all dependent. It always is. Take care. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys.